Okay, this is Plainly Speaking with Baggy and Bralador. And today, the question is, why, why believe? Um, I, I, I think w when we first came with this question, um, it felt like it was two questions in one. One in the sense, two, two in one in the sense that in my mind, I think I wrote, when we're talking, I wrote in my, um, in my notepad, I, I wrote why we, then I put bracket still, believe. Because it felt like I was asking myself two questions. I was asking myself two questions in one, actually. This is why we believe. So, uh, like we did last week, last time. So, Vagi, I started you. So, why <laughs> why do you believe? And what we mean why we believe is um, our faith in Jesus. Why do we believe um, something as old as 2,000 years ago? Yeah. So, that's it. So, Vagi, over to you. Okay. Okay, um, I, I, I wish we could just ramble out the points and just say, okay, <laughs> this is why we believe, or this is why anyone yeah, should believe. Yeah, Um, But there are a number of, there are a number of um, points of conflict that um, forces upon us, yeah. or forces upon me, the, the reason why I've come to believe yeah. in the dead. Then, death is not the end of this life. Yeah. If a man rose from the dead, then there's there's not just heaven. That's not what we're talking about here. There's immortality. True. And it creates a bodily resurrection and such. Certain people will be qualified. Yeah. And so just that just puts something somewhere in my head or in my heart that um it's not just about heaven or hell, but there's going to be a participation into a reality that um would be as real as this one. And so when I heard somebody was up from the dead, it kind of sparked my interest. It went beyond telling me that um, you can go to heaven or you can go to hell, but then it showed me that there was another reality. Yeah. And one of the greatest yearnings in the human heart is for eternal life, or to plainly put it plainly speaking, is um, immortality. Yeah. I know recently, for generations, people have spoken about the elixir, that um, portion that gives everlasting life. If you drink, you have everlasting <laughs> life. And so there are some other instances where you see people in the hospital and and our yearning and our cry in those places, not that, oh, yeah, there's, you, even if you tell them, oh, there's heaven and there's hell, yeah. in that moment, that's not what we're looking for. Yeah, true. In that moment, we're looking for a vision to stay forever. Yeah. And so if I, when, when I heard about, like, growing up and I heard that um, a man was risen from the dead and bodily resurrection hit me in its reality, I, it dawned on me that um, then there was so much more that death was not the end. The second reason why I also believe is whatever is decaying, yeah, doesn't stop decaying. Decay doesn't reverse itself. And so even science will tell you how the clock of our planet is running where the 11th hour or the, where the end of the 11th hour, yeah. where they talk about how our solar clock would soon explode. They call it doomsday. Yeah. And so even like these guys who have gone to Davos and a number of places will speak about how if we do not start mitigating some of the effects that we might not have a planet in a very few years. Why? Because the process of decay is such that if it begins, it cannot stop. It cannot be reversed. It can only be maintained or tried to be, it can be slowed down. But inevitably, decay will cause to it bring to an eventual end whatever it has come upon or it has, it has, it has caused to rotting up. You know, it has the effect is, is visible on and, and so when you look at creation and see the way things are 
at the state they are in yeah. and how things have been getting worse at different points in different years throughout human history. One of the natural effects in my mind is that things cannot continue like this forever. And if there's a God and the God is righteous, yeah. then he cannot watch unrighteousness or corruption continue in, he, in that which is his in perpetuity. And so Peter at one point has said this, um, that there's a corruption that is in the world because of lust. And so when I look at the decay in the world because of yeah. lust, I know that there's a day that there will most certainly be a day of judgment. Yeah. And so to put it two all together, it just makes me realize that if God has, re- has raised the man from the dead bodily, then God has told me that there's immortality with him. But there's also a day that he will judge the world in righteousness. Yeah. So that's, that's one of the reasons. Those are the reasons, I believe. Those two spectrums. The fact that there's more in God oh, and yeah. the fact that ungodliness, unrighteousness cannot continue like this forever. Yeah. Okay, so I hand over to you. Okay. So um, for me, it's kind of, um, I, I think it just it just starts, in thinking about this, because when I was thinking about this topic, I, I looked at how I was going to begin. And that's why I felt like it was two questions. Uh, first, how I yeah. came to believe was very, um, I would say rather, was personal. Personal in the sense that um, my elder brother at that time, he's a pastor now, um, this was back in 90, I think this was 96, was a pastor, he's a pastor now, sorry. And I remember growing up with him, having his friends come around and they would drink drink beer and why i could remember they were always drinking beer is because uh first i i think nigerian breweries are just launched star at that time because i knew it was a rave everybody was um it was everywhere star sunshine bubble <laughs> so and because <laughs> because i was always i was always picking the canter in the house that's the cock of the drink and we used to use it to play tip soccer so but i noticed for a while that um i think for a period I was probably like eight years old at this time. I was noticing that um, I wasn't seeing those bottles anymore for some reason. I was and because I was not and why I could really um, say I was not seeing them was because I was not seeing the canter to use, <laughs> obviously, because you actually get you get them you get you all the ones you have you one day that they will get missing. And off yeah. off the backdrop that oh I grew up in a I grew up in a Christian family. Um, so yeah, we're going to church, just like you were. We're going to church, so um, I was. Jesus was known, but uh, we're not in. A, I was not in a relationship with him. Looking back, I can say that I was not in a relationship with him. We're just going to church religiously, and thankfully, I'm thankful for that. That I grew up in a Christian home. <laughs> I see that more as a blessing. And so yeah, looking at my brother, then I remember he came to meet me one day in the kitchen. And he told me that um, he's born again. Probably the first time I was hearing that word. Uh, he says born again. I, I really understand what it is. I know he knelt, looked at me, and told me he's born again. And um, subsequently, that they had a program in church. He invited me for the program. He said he was going to be acting in the drama. Um, the pastor that preached that day is currently my pastor. Still my pastor. For over 25 years. And... I got born again in that service. So when I mean I got born again, and, and probably this, this is something I, I will talk about later. In And I, I got born again, but I didn't know I got born again. I know I, I probably slept throughout that message. My cousin 
tapped me when it was time for the prayer and we both came out together and we prayed. I don't know what we prayed. But what I remember is that I think a week after that, I saw a, a letter came to my house and my cousin, um, a lady, um, just said, I'm ah, Bralado, you are now born again. And for me, I, I didn't know what that was, but it kind of like the journey started from there. And um, I got into church and because of the word of God you hear and teachings you hear and the kind of community you build around in church. Um, yeah, Jesus Jesus is the principal figure. He's the one that we're living for. He's the one that worship. So it looked like every aspect of my life just had had to adjust. And thankfully, I, I, became, I came into a church where the realities of being a Christian were being taught and were being brought up front. So I knew that I, I was a new man, that the old man had gone again. I think a year after that, I got filled with Holy Spirit praying in tongues. And the journey just went on, and I was firmly in my faith, got involved in church, leadership, and everything. So for me, it, pr it pretty much started from there. There was, I, I would say there was no question I was trying to answer. There was nothing I was trying to think about what happens after a year. I was not, my brainwave was not going there, but I was just following where this was going. And the more I have grown in it, these questions, either it's not me asking but it is me trying to find out why. And, um, you know, one of the things that I didn't grow up um, in Christian faith knowing was how much, um, apart from the experience, because a lot was based on the experience, the experience of knowing that, oh, God was dwelling in you, the experience of seeing things happen in your life, of seeing habits drop, of seeing testimonies, of seeing miracles happen in your life, and seeing transformed lives. That that's and and that that will always be an apologetic element. That seeing that oh, things are changing in your life. Um, but another thing that I, I never really paid attention to growing up, the basis for my faith, never paid more attention to that, and realizing where um, the testimony of why I have faith in Jesus, apart from what I've experienced and what I'm experiencing, um, and what I've come to see, but more of the fact that oh, um, the things that I find in my Bible are actually not just things that I, I believe to be true, but are things that I actually believe really because they are true. And they're not just true because in quote, they are a spiritual, a mystical, let me know you spiritual. They are kind of like a mystical. So it's not just a set of beliefs that are mystical that work. And because they work, they are true. But it is something that even historically, it's, uh, it meets all the requirements for what historically is correct and what is true. And... Knowing that in my later years in the faith has been what has made me, in quote, to still believe that based on the experiences I've had growing up and, um, and what I've seen, seen in my family's life, seen in my life, seen the hand of God in my life, seen, seen how he has brought me. Um, now knowing that, come, where this thing starts from, I have confidence in it, in the fact that this is actually historically correct. This is... There's more to it than I've probably always known. I've probably even experienced. Um, that is like like that, like that is like my my still belief. There's more, there's more thought I'm giving to you. So I, I probably grew up unconsciously, and this is nobody's fault. This is not, this is just sometimes some things are just environmental. I, I didn't I didn't know how much um, intellectual our faith in Christ is and can be. Um, I felt that it was opposed to anything intellectual. I, I felt that it was opposed to anything. Um, I felt that 
maybe maybe I, I may not have admitted it, but it felt like I was uh, believing it to be true, and not necessarily believing it because it is true, because the first the first disciples believed <laughs> in this faith because they saw it to be true, they touched it to be true, so it wasn't a thing of um, um, they believed it, um, they, they are believing it to be true. So that that that's probably has been um, in, in my my journey so far. And why I believe. Um, so just to put it in um, in summary, I, th I think I've actually summed it up. I don't think I need to say anything more after that. But but really, that 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 yeah, yeah, that, 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 that that's just so that, that that's just been the journey. And uh, okay, maybe you may just have something to say before I bring up what I talked about conversion and yeah, yeah, yeah. Because because for me it's. Um... Even when you accept Jesus as your Lord, yeah. or even if you were, yeah. even if you're confronted with the question from people who have not, um, yeah. you know, something very, very funny that I, that I found very, very funny is from wherever we are as Gentiles or those who are not, um, who are not particularly in the Jewish faith. Yeah. Because the, before the, before I, and I go through the script, the study of scriptures, like I was writing recently in one of my works and I said, um, the law, which is probably the first five books of the Jewish Bible, is Yahweh's history of his walk in time. Yeah. Um, people want to believe that, oh, Yahweh has, um, oh, Yahweh is known by many people, Yahweh has been in many places. I'm like, that's fine. Yeah. But when Yahweh wrote about his history from Genesis, from the beginning, like after I made man and man left me, yeah. when Yahweh wrote about his own history in time, he said, and I came to these people at a certain point in Egypt, and I made them my own people. And so you could, and I went people say, oh no, everybody has been serving the true God. No, it's a bloody lie. Because <laughs> God did not identify himself with the gods of Egypt. Yeah. It means the, the Egyptian empire that eventually became one of the greatest empires on the face of the earth. At a point, God saved them and then saved the known earth through Joseph. At that particular point, Yahweh was still not Pharaoh's God. But then the only people who were his own were, was a family, yeah. quote and unquote. Yeah. Now there were spots of people here and there that might have found him, yeah. like Melchizedek and a number of them. But Yahweh's history about his walk in time is that by the time he met the Hebrews, he came eventually to meet them in Egypt. He said, and I will be your God. I will be your God. Yeah. Uh, and it's not a question of, oh, if the Yoruba people were always serving the true God. No. As a nation, no individually could they have found maybe but the amazing thing is that the Yoruba people do not date to genesis we are found somewhere in ham yeah we are found somewhere in kush and so um just the same way my children will not trace baggy there's no baggy in the time of Aolo. baggy is in the time of balado yeah but if you go down to the time of Aolo, where you'll probably find one of my fathers there you know and so there's this journey in, in truth or in amongst us where we are, it almost feels as if you are searching from truth for truth from different point of views. And so one of the hopes that Paul had is, is he said that um, that God desires that all men be saved, but that all, and all men come to the knowledge of the truth from wherever they are. You know, if you're an atheist, there's a coming to the knowledge of the truth. truth. If yeah. you serve um, an African traditional god, Ifa or Ahmadiyya or any of them, yeah. you come to the knowledge of the truth. And, and so, and so, from one, from what place do we begin to question truth? Um, 
at a point in prophecy, Jeremiah was speaking by prophecy. And he said at a certain point, the Gentiles would come, who would come to Yahweh eventually, will see a number of things. One of them, that one thing that they will say, this is Jeremiah speaking. He says, um, O Lord, O Yahweh, my strength and my stronghold, said my refuge in the days of distress to you, the nations will come from the end of the earth and they would say, they would say our fathers have inherited nothing but falsehood. Futility and the things that do not profit. And then Jeremiah asks the question, says, can man make gods for himself? So yet they are not gods. And so we have claimed to know God. We have claimed to do, but then when you look at the integrity of it, we have mixed, we have made the works of our own hands. And so we, we call this to be gods that um, we, even in our thinking, do not find the righteousness in them. And so in the words of the Aru, is it not them, Aru Z-I-M, the ministry, Rabbi Zechariah, yeah. international ministry. Yeah. It says um, he always argued that the coherent, coherent worldview must be able to satisfactorily answer four questions. The question of origin, meaning of life, morality, and destiny. Yeah. And that's why I had suitably, even after we came and we gave our life to Jesus, that consequently, every time our faith was brought to the fore, yeah. or questions on why we believe was brought to the fore, yeah. and we zoomed in, we realized that um, Christ answered the default question, or our faith in Jesus answers the default question. It answers origin. Yeah. It answers the meaning of life. life. It answers morality, morality and destiny. good or bad, and yeah. then it answers our eternal destiny. Yeah. You know, and um, origin actually speaks, his reservation speaks to a number of them, speaks to who knows, maybe the awful. <laughs> you know, destiny speaks to all four. Yeah. You know, and, and it has one of the most coherent beginnings, has one of the most coherent whole. Why, why is man? Or what is man? Yeah. You know, like the angel said, what is man that you are mindful of him? And and, and so and so why I have come to because I don't it's not really necessarily about my own salvation story. It's more like for me. Why I have believed like I have believed. Yeah. There's no God on the face of the earth who has consistently consistently spoken about the end of his own people and has come to pass what? like Yahweh has done. Yeah. As a matter of fact, Yahweh's influence supersedes the, his influence over his people, Israel. At different point, he revealed himself as the God of the whole earth. And so, yes, before another about lanky promises or lanky prophetic words. We're talking about inaccuracy. Not that then one day it is somewhere says that, no, 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 talking about, talking into a, to eternal destinies, talking to the destiny of nations, mapping out time. And he says, see, I have, the, I, I, I'm, there's no God like me. He says, I've searched the heavens, there's none like me who declares the end from the beginning. And when I see that reality in the resurrection and I see that, oh, this one who is risen from the dead quoted these scriptures, you know, like the words of um, Andy Stanley when he said, if a man can successfully predict his death and his resurrection and pull it off, yeah, I will take everything he says. <laughs> and so, yeah, I will take everything yeah, he says. True. And so the reason why I believe, the reason why we believe or the reason why I've come to believe is I see in that coherent whole, not just the miracles that he did, not just the miracles that he did, because many of these false deities, they do things. They do things, yeah, true. These demon spirits, they do things. Let's, Nebuchadnezzar's council was not filled with Jews. It was filled with people from all tribes and every tongue, and they could do magic. They could divine things. 
they could inquire they could interpret dreams and it to be accurate <laughs> you know <laughs> and that's why when daniel eventually came out with the dream yeah he said which god can know the dream of him other ones can might give answers <laughs> it might come into the you know i was um jezebel feeding over 900 or close to 850 prophets in a house where they were just blabbing when they don't get money <laughs> she just feed them for feeding you, you know, you, you know, she was not, she was not, she was not a distinct case now. They were, they said things that came to pass. Yeah. Where, where, who was Balaam? That he could speak and it to come to pass. But what you begin to realize is that in all this divine, in all this, in all these workings of, of power and display of distance, there was no consistency in the worldview. Yeah. There was no working of truth. So you would see certain powers that were not, was not held in place by morality. Yeah. And you see gods who would operate on these gods. I believe you, media, by nature, they are demons. If you see them, they are demons, they're not yeah, gods. Because there's only one God. The one God. They want to whom all spirit bows. Yeah. And when you see them, you realize you can have, they can, you, you don't, doesn't have to be consistent. There's, there's evil in them. There's evil in, I know after I was studying African traditional religions, I realized that in certain cultures at certain times, in the, in the day or in this week of purification, you were allowed to pick any girl from the street and sleep with her. Wow. Yes. And you find certain religions who who dedicate their children to fire, who do ch- ch- child sacrifices, who wow. who they can give you powers to do evil, and, 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 and it's not consistent with morality. Yeah. And so every time you sit back and you look at this and you say, you know, that which can be known of God is is revealed in Him, is revealed in them. No man, people talk one day we'll talk about this one. Yeah. But no man would see somebody sleeping with his wife and find a theology in his head that says it is right. <laughs> <laughs> you get what I'm saying? Yeah. And so why, why so so if and, and that's that's why when you read through history, yeah, um one of the proofs that the Jewish religion or the or the or the, what Moses wrote as the law of God was true. Is because someone said this is historically it was said that no religion on the face of the earth ever said man should not commit fornication. Mm-hmm. They felt that was part of life. How <laughs> can man not do it? <laughs> you know, and so there's a perfection in his law. Yeah. There's a perfection in, in this God, the God of the Hebrews, which is Yahweh. Who revealed himself ultimately as the as the true God? One day we'll, t- we'll talk about the story of the true God. Yeah. Who revealed himself ultimately in the life of his son Jesus as the true God? And so the reason I believe, or the reason why we have come to believe, yeah. is because when we look at when we look at life and all the answers that we we are looking for in origin of life, in meaning of life, in morality, and then ultimately in eternal destiny, we find everything coherently arranged in Him. Yeah. It's like when you see those two men who brought the child to Solomon and said they want to kill the child. I think they had, the night before there was a lot of famine in the land or something like that. Yeah. And they had sacrificed one of them's baby and they had eaten the baby. And the next night, the other <laughs> sacrifice is a cold one or so. And the other person turned, you know, yeah. and the other person turned on, did not want to, want to renegade on the promise, something like that. Yeah. And then when they were about to sacrifice the kids, if I can remember the story correctly, the whole drift was, um, should we kill the baby? The one who claimed to be the remother said, uh, yes. The other one said, no, don't kill the baby. You can actually have the baby. And Solomon realized that in, in one of them's sympathy, if I'm getting the story right, yeah. um, the truth was found. Because if it's really your child, 
yeah. you would rather the child be alive and with another person yeah. than dead just to satisfy your hunger. You know, and, and so when I see, and I, when, when I look through scriptures or when I when I look through life and I see what people claim to be God or what people claim to be truth, I'm like, nah, this cannot be. And then somebody will say, oh, the Jewish God told the Israelites to kill them, to kill all the people in the land of Canaan where they were going to. They, oh, um, if we're talking about morality or goodness, yeah, um, why would he tell them to do that, right? And then I'll, 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 I'll piggyback off with, with this. It's a very simple question. Yeah. Why do we flush our defecation in the toilet? In the toilet. True. What do we do with shit when we when we are done with it? What do we do with we it? We flush it. Yeah, we flush it. Things, things that have no value to us, what do we do with it? Yeah. It just have no value. It, it, see, even you, now, now the podcast will get to a place where, <laughs> <laughs> where it might not be okay, yes, yeah. or your imagination. Yeah. But even you, even you, even us, no man wants to see his excrement. Yeah. It's, it's come out of your own body. And yet you don't want to see it. Why is that the case? You flush it. No man wants to see his own. His own, not another person's own. I remember in secondary school when we used to, when we, because I was a border in Nigerian Navy. And so sometimes your portion might be to wash the toilets in certain people's <laughs> floors and the rest. And it was a mess. And during that period, you just say torture. It was a torture to go and do it. <laughs> you know, but nobody wants to see another man do that. And then when people ask me, oh, how can the Jewish God be the true God when he told them to go and kill those people? And I say, you don't know the people they told them to go and kill. Yeah, you and do. So if I open, no, if I open all the stories in it, Leviticus. It's like, for instance, okay. let, let me just cut short. If, it's like, okay. for instance, um, imagine, so... Definitely, except Kanye West. But everybody, everybody believes that Hitler was the worst <laughs> kind of human being that should have been on it. So, just imagine if he asks anybody that about Hitler and asks them when Hitler was a child, if it would have been okay to kill him. And saying this from the fact that you knew what he became of as a man, you find that nobody will say no. Everybody will believe that that's the best decision. In fact, we even had that rhetoric with, with Trump when Trump was president. I had it, I, it was always there. That why didn't it, if I, it was a meme that they wish Trump's mother had aborted him? Because in everybody's mind, it has gone beyond the person. But what you, you, you've seen the havoc in quotes that this person has caused. And you're like, it is better not to have had this guy. In fact, you've kind of like justified the killing of this guy. Everybody would have said the same thing about Osama bin Laden. That you know, you know me if we say this. You know, you know, you know, God is more tolerant. Yes. Now, this is true history. Yeah. God was more tolerant of a Hitler figure. Yeah. Yeah, because Pharaoh was like Hitler. Yeah. <laughs> Pharaoh was like Hitler. God did not kill Pharaoh. He killed his firstborn. Eventually, he killed Pharaoh. Pharaoh. If Pharaoh did not follow him into the sea, he would, he would have died. Pharaoh yeah. would have stayed in his house. He stayed in his house. <laughs> Um, yeah, Nebuchadnezzar. God is more tolerant of those kind of figures yeah. than he is of um, what the men of those places where Canaan was. Wow. They were much, much worse. Wow. Now I'm saying, as bad as Hitler was, Hitler was not coming to the place where has not attained to the corruption that these men had. Yeah. Now bloodshed, violence, it is a decay of the human conscience. 
but yet it's, it's a decay that is not as bad as the decay that these ones arrived at. Yeah. Your sweat is a is excretion, but it's not as bad as your piece. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. There, there, there are levels of this. Levels you know, and so God, God was des- describing what the decay looks like. And he says, he says, no one is to approach any close relative to have sexual relationship, yeah. relations with them. Yeah. Now, this is close relatives. So your cousins, your rest, they don't have sexual relations with them. He says, do not dishonor your father by having sexual relations with your mother. How will you sleep with your mother? <laughs> like how? <laughs> you, you, how? You know, now we know, we see it that it happens. Yeah. But why? Even your head is saying, why should it even happen? Why should it even happen? One says, um, do not have sexual relations with your father's wife. Maybe your stepmother. Do not have sexual relations with your own sister. It says, do not have sexual relations with your son's daughter or your daughter's daughter. Now, you see pedophiles and you're like, what nonsense? nonsense. Now, this is pedophilia in your own family. Like, this is crazy. Kill the person. It says, do not have sexual relations with the daughter of your father's wife. Do not have sexual relations with your father's sister, mother's sister. Do not dishonor your father's brother by approaching his wife. Yeah. You know, goes on to talk about do not um, have sexual relations with a, with a woman and her daughter. Do not take your wife's sister as a, as a second wife. Do not approach or have sexual relations with a woman on her period or bleeding. Do not have sexual relations with your neighbor's wife. Do not give any of your children to Molech. Do not have sexual relations with a man as homosexuality. Let me put it that plainly. He says, um, do not defile yourself with in, with animals. Don't have sex with animals. And this is what God says about them. He says, do not defile yourself in any of these ways because this is how the nations that I'm going to drive out became before you became defiled. That's how dirty they were. Wow. They became worse than Sodom. And so the people that God was telling them to go and drive out were not, they were people who had become like excrement. And so if there's a holy God and, and purity matters, imagine if you get into your house and, nah, God forbid, this, I can't even make an illustration like this. <laughs> you know, you know, I, I, yeah, yeah, I'm not going to do this. It has some places that they want to go with my mind self to try and make an illustration. But, 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 so, he claimed that, oh, the Jewish God had allowed his people. No, 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 no. Should I tell you the honest truth about God, this righteous God's judgment? What Canaan became, God would have judged himself. But the problem with God judging what Canaan became is if he judged Canaan the way he judges unrighteousness, yeah. the land of Canaan would not be able to be inhabited by man for a number of years. And so if God reigned on Canaan, the way he rained on Sodom, the land of Canaan will be destroyed also. Perpetually. And so because he wanted that land, he wanted to give the land to another people without destroying the land. So he told them, these people, their land is chasing them away. Because he said the land which they are is defiled and, and so, so I punished it for its sin and the land is vomiting its inhabitants. The land was, was about to throw its inhabitants away. That's how bad. See, there's a law of God in creation that you, if it gets to a certain point and, and creation cannot take it again. Yeah. And because the land was about to vomit its inhabitants and God had to take judgment on that land. That was the same thing when God said, I heard the cry of Sodom has come to me. Now, nobody in Sodom and Gomorrah was crying to God that God should come and save them. 
There was nobody crying. If there was anybody crying in Sodom and Gomorrah, God would have saved them. God could not find a fam God could not find two righteous families. He found only one. So who was crying to God? It was the land that was crying to God. And so the land of Canaan got so bad, it was about to vomit its inhabitants. And God says, you know, don't worry, I'll bring the nation of my choosing to come and drive out the inhabitants for you. So that the land will still be inhabited. And so God says, destroy every one family there. Everyone. Why? Because they were, they were, they were, they were deserving of death. It's like if you want to use the toilet and say flush it. Yeah. Yes, because it should be flushed. Should be flushed. And so when people mistake that and say, oh, then God is not. No, no, God is righteous. Yeah, God is righteous. You know, if somebody bashes your car tomorrow and you saw a police nearby, when the person rammed into your car, yeah, you would expect the police to tell the person, Baba, you can't pay for the damage on this guy's car. True. You have to, you, in your head, you, you're like, no, no, the police, ah, that was a police yeah. Now, if it happened where there was no police, you will hold the person on the shirt <laughs> and be shouting, say, Baba, you must pay. You must pay. The person will be me, jamming, and you jam me. He said, I go jam you from side like this. No, be you jam me. And then you'll be looking for people who are eyewitnesses. Yeah. Because you're, you're, all you're screaming out is for hope that somebody who is fair enough saw you. Now, imagine he jammed you in front of his house where all his family members are saying, Nalai, now you jam him. You almost run mad. <laughs> and so there's a sense of fairness. It's a sense of fairness that is in all of us where we are we are seeking for justice and truth, truth. and fairness yeah. and uprightness. And then you see immorality to this point. You expect that the God of all the earth should be just. Yeah. And one of his justice is that this level of this level of decay, he should address it. You expect him to address it. The reason why we expected Hitler to die and the reason why we were praying for Abacha to die was because we said, see, there's a God. This level of decay should be addressed. <laughs> and so if we expect him to play that part, why do we see him play the part and say he's wicked? wicked. And so he's just. He's just, just like a man who uses the toilet would flush it. He's just to do it. He's right to do it. And so when I look at the when I look at the things in God, I'm like, yeah. When I see what Jesus said by his resurrection and the and the promise of eternal judgment, yeah. I look at it and I say, and I say, yes. And so why do I believe the world cannot continue like this? Yeah. Not simply because of homosexuality in America <laughs> or fornication in Western Europe. Not because simply because of that. Though. There are worse things in Africa. There are worse, man. You know, we saw the videos that came out in Lekki where people were sleeping with animals. Huh? Let's not just go into that. <laughs> and so we look at those things. So yeah. we look at um, certain witchcraft stuff, divin divine divination things that we see in Africa, especially for women to get men or for men to yeah. get power. And we see the level of corruption in Nigeria and all those things. Yeah. And, and in our hearts, we're all crying that if they say God or if they say justice somewhere, yeah. let it rise up for us. Let it rise up for us. And yeah. so which theology, which faith addresses this? Which worldview tells me that a God will rise and will, a, the God of all the earth will judge this? Yeah. It's only the Christian worldview. Or it's only the Judeo-Christian worldview. And so when we are clamoring for, Amadio doesn't promise to judge unrighteousness in the northern Nigeria. He doesn't say he will do it. He doesn't even know about it. Shongo doesn't promise to do anything beyond them, the region he's, he occupies. 
And so when I look at why we believe, I believe because there's a consistency with the cry of the human heart and the truth within this God. Yeah. You know, it's like it's as if, if they stole me as a child. They stole me as a child. And the person who stole me told me he was my mother and my father. And I believed him. Yeah. I believed that he was, she was my mother, her husband was my father. I believed all my life. Yeah. But then tomorrow I see somebody who not only looks like me, he knows the reason why I have a scar by my on my left hip. Jonah family gives me another reason. He tells me why this scar was stitched the way it was stitched. He tells me when it happened. He tells me what happened. Yeah. That oh, the doctor when when I came out, the, you know, and there's there's a lot of it's not just something to believe, but he gives me the details, the history of everything that I have ever been. Imagine I was kidnapped at the age of two, and um, he tells me where my birthmark is, where it is. He tells me where it came from. He shows me the picture of my mom, the fact that she had the same birthmark. That's his wife, and. It begins to dawn on me that ah, these people who have held me all their life are not my parents. So. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because there's more truth with him or there's more information on this man who I'm just meeting that points to me that he knows me and he's my father. And so when I look at all the gods that we have served and I, and I met when I met Jesus and the God of the Jews, which is ultimately the God of the whole earth, Yahweh, and I look at everything that he has said about the human condition about the righteousness of his law and about his heart for justice. I say he has to have been the one who made the heavens and the earth. Now, by his own account, he is. But when I look at the consistency of everything that he says, in my head, I'm like, yes, he has to be the creator of the heavens and the earth. You know, and when science says, oh, no, they cannot be a creator. You know, I was just discussing with some of the young boys recently on, on Sunday, some of my young friends. When I say young friends, I'm talking about nine-year-old boys and eight-year-old boys. These are my friends. During the class, one of them was was sad. He became, I think they were like 15. No, you know, 15, like, who knows, maybe like eight or nine of them. And so the class was beautiful. One of them came and asked me, um, what is God? And so it was a beautiful class. We answered, what is God to eight-year-olds and seven-year-olds? But during the course of the class, one of them was really pretty sad. His emotions changed and he was very sad. And so I noticed when so I looked at him and I asked him, why, why was he sad? He couldn't answer me there. And so the next day I met him and I asked him and he was almost in tears again. And he said, his family is relocating. Oh. And so he was sad because he was going to miss... Out on all this. this. Wow. Yes. And so he was in tears. You know, and, and I saw that. And, and, and what he said to me a lot of times was what hit me there was this was how he felt when i met jesus yeah. and i began to see him answer all the questions that i had, had about life yeah about god yeah and about the reality of things yeah i gave my life to christ yes actively when i was nine when i was 10 like i was preaching the gospel in a number of places i was yeah I gave my life to Christ in Watchman. Um, it's one church in Africa. The one that chosen came out of. Yeah, Watchman. Yeah. Yeah, Watchman Christman. Catholic Christman. Yeah, yeah. So I gave my life to Christ as a young boy. And so I preached the gospel for a number of years. But I'm, I'm happy I backslid it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm happy I backslid it. 
because my my theology was probably not correct. So correct. Um, yeah, it was not really it was not really correct. But uh, and then so I think I, I think I, I kind of had another. I had I was ashamed of Jesus for for some for a season, especially in my upper teenage years, for me from like 14, 15, 16. You know, but then I had a divine encounter when I was seventeen, where I was about I was I was dying. Oh, I was dying. You know, and then so, so it was it was almost like Higgins' encounter where Jesus Christ pulled him from hell. And so I'd come back from wherever I was with one of a friend, one of our friends in school. You will know him, Chelile. Yeah, yeah. And we had finished Solomon. Solomon. Yeah. We had finished Solomon. Yeah. yeah, we had finished trolling around school and insulting every Tom Dick and Harry who was alive. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then um, because those were, were big. So we're walking like giants. We're in 200 level then. And so by the time we got to the hostel, we said, I told him, okay. So we said, we said, let's go and take a nap. And then we'll change and then we'll take another stroll. And so it was taking the nap. So I went to sleep. And then when I was sleeping, it felt like I was oppressed. Like you have, as if you cannot stand up. Yeah. I see and it was so heavy on me. And, um, yeah. Yes, I was almost pressing the whole pressing feeling, yeah. you know. And so I, I felt that feeling a number of times, many, many times. I used to feel that too. And so I feel it. I, yeah. I, very it was, okay. de- it was demonic. Yes, That's I, it was demonic. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and so I used to, I felt it, and I'm yeah. like, oh, that, that, that's okay. So I, I shrugged. I came out of it, and it happened again, and I came out of it. And so the third time, I heard a very cloud. Like, I heard a voice so loud. Yeah, that says, "This, this is your life. You this time you will not come out again." Wow. And just the sound, the voice was so terrifying enough that I, I should not sleep again. <laughs> But then something happened. It felt like somebody took a blanket and closed and, and put through on me. Yeah. And high fever just fell on me. And so I could not stand up. And then it felt like I was sinking in my body. I was sinking into my body. It felt like I was I was falling out of my body. And then in the midst of falling out, the person said, you will die. And um, I shouted them. I was going, I was going. It was oh. darkness, I was going. Oh. And then somewhere, somehow, I, sh- I shouted Jesus because I had known him. And then he pulled me back. And when the Holy Spirit pulled Jesus, the Holy Jesus pulled me back into my body because I was out of my body. When Jesus pulled me back into my, I don't really share this one because he just was, he was dramatic. <laughs> but when Jesus pulled me back into my body, he pulled me out of my bed. And so it felt like I jumped out of my bed. I, I came into my, I, I saw myself come into my body and then jump out of my bed. And I spoke in tongues for three hours. Wow. Mind you, I was baptizing the Holy Ghost, but like when I was 11, 10 or 11. Wow. And, that's, and I stopped speaking in tongues for a number of years. And then this experience happens and I speak in tongues for three straight hours. Now, what was profound was that Chelili Solomon came to the room to find me. <laughs> and he said that when he came to the window, he saw me speaking in tongues. Wow. And so he went to check if somebody had left my room and there was nobody that left my room. And three years later, we were 500 level about to graduate and he said, and he was narrating his story to somebody, <laughs> to people on the basketball court. And he said, and since that day, they look baggy. He said, baggy never changed. Oh. Chai. Wow. What he it? says, whatever baggy became from that day, day, stuck. Wow. He said he, he said he had been looking at me to see me get off whatever happened yeah. that day. And he, and he said he changed everything forever. And so recently, like last year, Maureen was getting married. A friend of ours, Maureen, Maureen was getting yeah, married. Yeah. And so Chelile saw, he saw Patu and asked Patu, he said, Baggy, see the Porsche God like that. Wow. And Patu said, yes, Baggy, see the Porsche God like that. Oh. And so the experience <laughs> was so defining. <laughs> the experience was so defining and so deliberate that um, it was definitely God. I was going to hell. 
you know, and one of the things that was funny about it was I was asking Jesus Christ some questions a number of years back. And I said, but I was always your son. Right? And he said, if you died away from home, I want to, I want to have known where you were. And he was talking to me from the parable of the prodigal son. Yeah. He said, when the son left home, the father did not chase him. The father did not know where he was. If he died in that country, they wouldn't have known who his father was or brought him back. Brought him back. Yeah. He said, you were always my son. But if you died away in sin, you would not have come back home. You know, and so that's why the doctrine of um, eternal once saved, always saved has not um, <laughs> um by my own experience. Yeah. By my own experience. Yeah. And then ultimately by the admission of scriptures, does not come into it's not it's not I don't know, it's not um it's not it's not the way it is. Yeah. And so I know one of those days we'll talk about how how some scriptures actually bring out to show us that um, yeah. your name can be blurted out in the book of yeah. life. Jesus can take away your crown, a number of other things. But that aside, not to address that. But that's how I came to believe. But then when I when I prayed in tongues for trials, I was crying through it all along. And in one of the moments I said to God, I said, this is one of the things, I will never forget what I said. I said, I said, I have gone away from you and you have brought me back. I said, don't let me go again. That was, when I, was one of the things I begged for when I was praying for that before oh. and you have to me back i said don't let me go again i said there's nothing where i went i said sin consuming hold me and so yeah we have, we have had we have, i've had hard times in the faith that's why i know how to cry to him <laughs> <laughs> and because i I saw, I saw, we saw, I saw his love in such a dramatic way. And then in 2008, I was eating the scriptures. Like that's why I began to pursue the scriptures as aggressively as I did. Yeah. Because I was, I always had this sinking feeling that if I did not leave God when I was, if I did not oh, gradually God. walk away yeah. from Him in my teenagers, like when I was 13, 14, 15, that at this point I would have been greater than I would have ever been. <laughs> You know, I felt like if I kept preaching the gospel as actively as I did as a child, mm-hmm. I know till like 12, 13, I was still organizing seminars. Like my brothers used to mock me that time. The persecution was real. <laughs> you know, they used to ask me, I'm like, what kind of young man are you? What kind of, why are you always preaching everywhere? Everything is, you know, but my my, my kind of Christianity was like lot, lots chosen. Can we go for battle? Um, there's one spiritual warfare here and all, but, yeah. but I, I, it was in sincerity. And I had such a power. The power of God was present. My siblings will tell you about it. You know, it was so present. And so, 2008, when I was crying, and I was studying the scripture aggressively, trying to catch up on lost years. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, God, can I catch up where I should be? Uh, Something hit very hard in, in that pursuit. And what, what hit hard was, as I was pursuing God heavily, yeah. for like a space of about three months or more, that was in 2008, sometime I was eating the old scripture, I was reading the Bible, reading the King James, doing everything. And as I was pursuing like that, reading like four or five translations, I know I mentioned it in one of our first yeah, podcasts. Podcast, yeah. um, that was because I was trying to catch up on lost years. I was trying wow. to catch up on lost years. <laughs> and I had gotten to Ezra also. Yeah. I think I had finished and I would come back and I would gotten to Ezra. And then God told me, go to Habakkuk. In Haggai, rather. told me, go to Haggai. Now, if you have read the book of Ezra, you see when Haggai was prophesying. And she said, go to the book of Haggai. So I ran to Haggai and I began to read Haggai. And so I read what he had said in context. I want to go back to Ezra. And this we said, no, 
said because the experience was too real and then that's when they were the temple was they were about building the temple and he said some of you saw the temple in its former glory yeah he said those of you who saw the temple in its former glory are crying and those who are who are just seeing it now for the first time are excited and he said um the ones who were crying were crying because they saw it in its former glory and he says in in your eyes it is less than nothing right and they were crying and he said them just be strong and walk so just be strong and walk he said i will cause the glory of the later house to be greater than the glory of the former and i was crying my eyes out because every time i was building i was looking at what i was building and i was saying if i remained with you jesus the building will be greater than this one this one yeah and then god says no God says, I will cause to come the desired of nation. He says, in your eyes, you might look less than nothing. He said, but he said there very clearly. He said, just be strong and walk. He said, in time, I will bring my spirit here and I will cause the glory of this former latter house to be far greater than the former. And so I never, I, so that's why I said, I do not regret that I left. Now, there's no reason why I should have left. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, like I said to God, there was nothing there. There was nothing in the world. There was, there's no joy there. Yeah. There's nothing. There's no fun. There's no fun <laughs> there. But then the labor in Christ now, the beauty of Christ that I see now, yeah. that me would not have been able to capture it as beautifully as I capture it now. Because now I'm so in love with Jesus. Like so in love with Jesus. And, um, and this happens because I have known his grace. I've seen him come back for me again and again. And so when I see, when, when people ask, why do I believe like I believe? I'm like, he loved me and gave me his life. Like, it would be stupid to live. Yeah. One time Jesus preached a message that did not make any sense to the disciples, to everybody. Everybody. To about, to about 15,000 people. To about 15,000 people. It didn't make any sense to yeah. them. And so he was talking about eating his flesh and drinking his blood and they were walking away from him. They're just walking away like wow nonsense is this one saying and then some of his disciples who were plenty of disciples said man this is a hard saying no, we cannot take it and then john records that some of the disciples stopped following jesus from that day forward and then jesus christ turned to the 12 so, so yeah, and he said are you not going to are you not are you not going are you not going to and then peter said this he says where can we go from here <laughs> And you have the words. He said, where can we go from here? Yeah. He said, when with you are the words of right. eternal life. So it's not a question of whether, we don't understand what you are saying. No? <laughs> we cannot, you see, the people who are living, the same grounds for which they are living, which is, what you are saying doesn't make any sense. We have it the, still doesn't even make sense to us. <laughs> yeah. we, 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 cannot, we cannot explain it. Yeah. But Peter says, is there any other thing out there? Yeah. True. He says, is there another place out there? Say, where can we go? It's not if I'm coming from the Pharisees. I was a fisherman. <laughs> I lay my hand on the sick now, the sick recover. I have done miracles. The demons are subject to me in your name. And so just the fact that I cannot explain this explain one this one. Doesn't mean I should leave you. Yeah. And so 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 our Christian work has, has, has probably had very hard times. Yeah. I remember when God probably would have told you to leave where you were working yeah. and do what you are doing now. Yeah. 
it should have made noise. I mean, you could I not have been able to explain it because I remember that season. Yeah. When you were talking every day, every day. you know what you were telling me. <laughs> and you said something that was profound after like three months of, of, of trying to convince people that you had God. And you said, um, every time I talk to people, I always tell them I had God. And, and it shows as though I've, I have been telling them I had God and not that I am hearing God. Oh, yeah. And you were pointing to the reality of a walk with him. Yeah. And every time I kept encouraging you and telling him, Baba, if you had God, take this step. Take this Whereas step. my life was useless. <laughs> <laughs> uh... My life was going nowhere. Um, I'd rejected like three or four master scholarship because in my room, God would tell me it's <laughs> not for me. <laughs> and I'm not, and I'm, not advi- I'm not advising you. Because I believe that God had said in 2011, 17. Yeah. I came to pass in 2016. Mm-hmm. In exact terms. <clears throat> you know, and, and so when, when things are hard and people and, and, and people are saying, why can't we leave him? And the question is, to where? To where? <laughs> what, what are our <laughs> options? There's what none. Options? Absolutely. So I hand, hand over to you. Yeah. Okay, so um, the, the, the thing is, uh, you know, the Apostle Peter has this in First Peter three fifteen, where he says that um, honor Christ as Lord in your heart, revere Christ as Lord in your heart, and always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have. One of the things I'd just like to point out here is that I I, I probably grew up in the faith, um, not until I started seeing things differently. It felt like our faith and our belief in Jesus Christ was something that we was blind that we, um, how do I put it now? There was, it was not reasonable. It was not reasonable that it was just, it was kind of like a blind fit. And it, it felt like, okay, the mantra felt like, just believe, we just believe, you only believe. But that is not, that is not true in any sense. I, I found more deeper um, conviction, connection, and even relationship with the Lord and scriptures. Because I, I find it that our faith is reasonable. And some of the things, just Baggy said, even taking cue from what um, used to be a mantra for um, RZIM Ministries, um, that in Christ we find we find origin, we find meaning, we find morality, and we also find destiny. It answers those true life questions. So Christianity is not, or our faith in Christ is not something that is absurd to the realities of the world, but it's something that is um, deeply in it and answers the questions directly of answers the question of life like um w- one of the most you know today i heard the news that um a, a dear member of church passed on i think yesterday or this morning i can't remember i, I don't know the details and uh, just seeing that alone you, you no, i think nothing asks you more questions about life than death so where are your hopes really as in, what, what, what is the thing you hold dear to most? Is it Christ? Because if it's Christ, I don't, I don't think, I'm not trying to deny that anxieties won't come, but the fact that you succumb to them just feels like you're not holding on to Christ so much. And um, that's what we have. That is very reasonable. Like the other day, we were talking about the fact that, you mentioned in the podcast that Peter could go ahead and die for Jesus, or Jesus could tell him that, oh, you are going to die. And that was not scaring him. Because the person that was telling him this is somebody he saw die, a gruesome death on the cross, and resurrected, touched him, 
even made breakfast with him, ate with him. So if he's telling you that, oh, you are soon you're going to put down this garment, you're going to die and come and meet me, you have no fears because you are talking to the one that has handled death. He defeated it and he has come out of it alive, not to be held down by death again. So it's not a case of he can die again. No, he cannot die again. Thank you for listening to episode five of Plainly Speaking with Baggy and Brother. We continue the conversation in episode six. So look out for it. Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called, his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe this is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now, he is far above any ruler, authority, or power, or leader, or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. Amen.